Hi, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Lighthearted. My name is Anna. And my name is Bracey, and we're two average gals chatting about what it means to grow. How are you growing this week? Well, we, I know we both watched the Oprah interview with Megan and Harry, and I feel like I have so many thoughts about it. Same. Primarily, Oprah is a queen. I, (laughs) I was really blown away by her in this interview, and I think it made me understand further, like, why you love her so much, but I think because I also really enjoy asking questions... She really touched my heart in a special way this time because her questions were so good. And even though it was obvious, like I'm sure she like prepped herself for the interview and had questions she wanted to ask. She was also obviously like asking questions based off of Megan's responses and Harry's. And so I just loved it. I also love that she like did not let them get away with not answering her question. Mm -hmm. She's an incredible interviewer. (laughs) Yeah. She just kept diving back in. She'd be like, mm-hmm, I'm listening. You're saying this, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so you didn't answer my question, <laughs> which was. <laughs> and she does it in a nice way. Yeah. It was great. and I, But I also appreciated that she, not that I thought that she would be disrespectful in any way, but I appreciated that if they said, I'm not comfortable answering that or disclosing that or whatever, she just like moved on. I honestly wish that was more of a dynamic in all interviews. Like, I think it should be acceptable for someone to ask a question and someone else to say, I'm not going to answer that. There's no skin off anybody's back if that's the case. Yeah. Instead of people like trying to sidestep and answer it in a totally different way or ignoring it. This is why I hate politicians, because it drives me bonkers when they get asked a question and don't answer the question they were asked. Do you think you would feel better... If they just said like, oh, I don't want to answer that. Or do you feel like with politicians, they should be like more open than they are? I feel like with politicians, they have a responsibility to answer the question they were asked. Yeah. Okay. Megan and Harry, what were your just like overall thoughts? I have a lot of respect for her. Mm -hmm. I think that she has shown other people that it's okay to be honest about your mental health and ask for help. And I don't think that that's something that you see very often in people in her position. Yeah, definitely not. She was so brave and just came off so genuine, but also really sad. Honestly, I have no idea how she got through that without crying because I was crying. (laughs) She teared up a little bit occasionally. I mean, yeah, but if it were me, I would, there's no way I would have made it through that interview without crying. Yeah. Also, she looked stunning, Mm -hmm. as did Oprah. They both looked incredible. Also thrilled about a girl. I know. I really want to know what they're going to name it. I'm curious if they are going to name her something that's like in line with the royal family names or if they're going to like totally go off script. Good question. I don't know. I just feel like Harry's going to be a great girl dad. Oh, he will be. Mm -hmm. There were moments in it where I felt like Megan was like kind of being like giggly or whatever and would look at him and he seemed so much more subdued. And I was like, I can't tell if this is like a weird dynamic right now between them or if that's just like his normal personality that he just is more introverted and like doesn't wear his heart on his sleeve type of person. I don't really know that much about him. I honestly don't either. I do think though that Given he's been in the spotlight his whole life, he's probably a little more able to temper his emotional reactions in an interview. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. I think it's ridiculous that people 
really feel strongly enough to come out and say that she's lying about her own mental health. That makes me crazy. Yeah. And you can understand, I don't know, I feel like it helps us all understand like how insane she must have been feeling. I can't imagine how isolated, how isolating that would have been. Yeah. It sounds really terrible. And whenever she was saying that she had asked to like go out to lunch or something with some friends and they were like, you're just everywhere right now. You need to like lay low, all this stuff. And she was like, I haven't left the house in like four months. Like all the, all of this stuff is happening just because I'm alive. And I was like, wow, that really hit me. And for people, and I know it's their job, but like for them to value what's happening in the press and like her image over her actual life and like being able to do normal, important things like go to lunch with friends, you know, just to be a normal person. It's crazy. Yeah. And I thought it was crazy whenever she said, oh, you know, like once I entered in this family, I never saw my driver's license again or my passport. And I was like, holy cow, like... <laughs> I don't know. I feel like that's really controlling. And I know it's probably just protocol, but... hmm. Yeah. It feels... In the context that she's giving, it feels like a lot. Just to have your choices taken away. Yeah. But yeah, it was very interesting to learn about another side to the royal family. And I... It's like not shocking, but it is shocking at the same time. I don't know. It was a fascinating interview. It was really interesting. And I feel like Oprah did a great job. And on the topic of Oprah, I feel like... One of the reasons Oprah is so good at what she does is because she's a generator and in human design generators, when they're doing what they love, kind of light up a room. And I feel like that's a good example mm-hmm. of Oprah. Like sh- when she's interviewing people, she's just like very magnetic. It's it's really where she shines. It is. Well, our topic today, if you had not already guessed it, is more of a deep dive into the human design world. We've definitely talked about it here and there on previous episodes. But in this episode, we are going to have like a general overview. And I'm pretty excited about it because there's so much to learn. And all of the things I've learned about it in relation to myself have been really scary accurate, but there's so much I don't know at the same time. Yeah, I'm thrilled to talk about this because I know that a lot of people aren't familiar with it. And I feel like it's been really game changing for me to understand how I operate in the world. And I want to share that with everybody. All right, let's do it. All right. So just start off by telling us what human design is. Okay. So human design is basically the science of your aura and how your energetic body works in the world. It's built around the science of neutrinos. And the way I like to think about it is like the intersection of your energetic and your physical. So basically what that looks like is the way that your energy signature operates within the world. First of all, I would recommend that everybody go run their human design at myhumandesign.com. You're going to need your exact birth time, location, and obviously your birthday. And then that website will give you pretty much everything that you could need in your chart. For your for your place of birth, do you put in where the hospital was located or maybe you had a home birth? I don't know, like where you were physically born or where you like the house that you went home to. Whichever city of the hospital or house or whatever, wherever you were, okay. you physically entered the world. Okay, got it. But the birth time is really important. And a lot of places will ask for it in military time. So you want to make sure you get that right. Because AM versus PM makes a big difference. Okay. Okay. So one of the things that I like most about human design in general is that it gives an explanation and voice to the reasons why people operate differently. For example, I am not a person who thrives on routine or self-discipline. 
And for my whole life, I've been told you need a morning routine, you need to go to the gym every single day and work out for 30 minutes to an hour, you should be meditating every day, like those things that are very consistent. That's not part of my design. And when I found that out, I was like, praise Lord, hallelujah. (laughs) This is validating the fact that I'm known for my whole life that this is not how I operate. Yeah, which is interesting, because I feel like that's such a cultural thing of that having routines and being consistent are like the signs of a successful person. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I would imagine that would be a huge sigh of relief of like, okay, I can stop trying to put myself in this box or whatever, because this is not how I'm supposed to be. This is not how I can be my most successful. Exactly. And actually people who are operating against their design, that's a recipe for failure. And it's just nice to know that like, maybe I'm not built that way, but it's okay if you are. And People are different and we're going to thrive on different things. And I feel like that just gives human design just gives a voice to that mm-hmm. and gives you concrete examples as well in other areas too. Okay. The other thing that I wanted to say before we start is I have studied this, but I'm not, not an expert by any means. So feel free to go searching for your own information. I'm not saying that I'm 100% right about everything. And I specifically wanted to say that there's no good or bad design. It's just learning to work with your design and learning to make the most of it so that you can be successful. Okay. All right. So if you go to myhumandesign.com, you pull up your chart. It's going to have all of your type, strategy, authority, and some more things on the right side of the page. And each of those um, different things, we'll talk about some of them today. They have a link to a video specific to your type and the Uh, corresponding pieces of your chart so that you can get more information. They're very reasonably priced. So if there's something specific that you want to learn about in your chart, she has great resources there. And just as a warning, when you pull up this chart, if you have never seen a human design chart before, you are going to be like, what the heck is this? It looks so confusing and like, and unlike any other, I guess it's not necessarily like a personality quiz or like, it's not exactly like Enneagrams and Myers-Briggs, but those are much more digestible, I think. Um, and they just tell you like, oh, you're this and here's how you are. And it's just like a few paragraphs and obviously you can deep dive into those things more. So yeah, I mean, whenever I first looked at mine, I think I didn't really read anything else about it because I was so overwhelmed by how new it looked to me. And it looked like there was a lot going on. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm gonna have to do this later. So just as a heads up. Yeah, I would say that's absolutely true. Enneagram, I feel like is a good tool for like bucketing different people and knowing thing like references off the top of your head. I feel like human design has so much more nuance and it's really great. It's a really great tool for yourself, but you probably won't use it quite as much with other people. Yeah. And the chart itself is kind of busy, but it, I would say that especially on myhumandesign.com, it's like that information that's on the right is going to kind of break everything down for you. So you almost don't even need the chart unless you're going to do a deep dive of your own chart. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. So I would say arguably the most important part of anybody's human design is their strategy and authority. Your strategy is going to be based on your type, your energy type. So there are five different types. Generators are the first type. They are the most common type. Generators have very like steady, consistent kind of doer energy if they're doing the right thing. 
like I said, with Oprah, she's in her right job. So she kind of shines and people are really attracted to generator energy when they're doing something they love. Generators generate energy. So the more a generator is in a position where they're doing what they love, the more energy they will create, which other people can thrive off of. Mm, Okay. Generator strategy is to wait to respond, which means that the universe puts opportunities and, and questions and things in front of generators to prompt them to have a yes or no response. And so that's the way that they interact with the world around them. I'm a generator. Sebastian's a generator. We have lots of generator friends. The not self theme for generators is frustration. So in general, a generator will feel frustrated as a negative emotion more than any other negative emotion typically. And what does that mean when, when it says not self? Is that like when they aren't being true to themselves or what? What does that mean exactly? Yeah, basically you're right. It's a tool to see if you're on the right track or not. If you're feeling frustrated, something needs to adjust in your, in the way you're operating, um, so that you can properly respond to the world around you and reach your signature, which is satisfaction. So on the opposite side of frustration and satisfaction, when you're feeling satisfied, then you are doing something right. It's okay. It's just a kind of a compass for each type, um, the not self and the signature. Okay, gotcha. And it's really interesting because I can see this very, very clearly in both Seb and myself. We get so much much satisfaction from a completed project. Like that's so satisfying to us. And that's Mm -hmm. like quintessential generator. Like wants to do a project, see it through and be satisfied at the end. Like that's kind of it. Yeah. And I feel like DIY is like such a huge part of your personality and Seb's. Mm -hmm. So that completely makes sense. Yeah. Okay, and so another type is called a manifesting generator, which technically is actually just a subcategory of generator, but most people talk about it as a separate type, and I typically do too. So manifesting generators are generators, but they have a little bit of manifester energy in there as well. So their strategy is also to wait to respond. Their not self is also frustration, and their signature is also satisfaction. But they do tend to have more ability to initiate things. They are multitaskers. They like to do a lot of different projects. Um, generators tend to kind of focus more and manifesting generators tend to have a variety of different interests and things they use their energy towards. Okay. All right. So the third type is manifestors, which Taylor is a manifester. I always forget what he is. Yeah. He's a manifester. And it's interesting because he told me once that he tends to like pick up a project and do it for a little while and then like move on. Like he has kind of themes that he goes through. And that's mm-hmm. total manifestor energy. Manifestors have urges. And when they have an urge, they have to just like do it and get through it. And then the urge will leave them and they just have to like let it go and move on. Yeah, I feel like that is definitely him. And he will get a lot of ideas about things that are really good ideas, but he doesn't have the energy to like see it through. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so manifestors are really good at initiating. They're super good at starting things and they have to use their authority to know whether an idea or a project is worth initiating and like worth working on. Um, Mm -hmm. It won't, it won't be always, but their strategy is to inform. So because they have a very initiating energy, it's kind of like generators pull in and manifestors push out is the way I think about it. Um, they have to inform others. So they should tell 
when they're going to do something and then just do it and not worry about the response to it or other people involved. They just say, hey, I'm going to do this thing. And then they move on and do it. And that informing, it helps prime other people to accept the urge that they're initiating through. Okay. Got it. And then manifestors not self as anger and their signature is peace. So if Taylor is feeling off, he's probably going to be angry rather than frustrated, like he would tend towards anger. And when he is um, operating correctly for his energy type, he's going to feel very at peace. Okay. I'll let him know. Great. <laughs> and I will write it down so I remember. So I, when he is being angry, I could be like, listen, you are not operating correctly. <laughs> Maybe take a second. Let's think about this for a minute and work towards peace. Okay. And for you, you're a projector. Mm -hmm. Your strategy is to wait to be invited. So That's true. It is. And (laughs) projectors are typically um, energetic guides. They're good at creating efficiencies and like helping other people in their own path too. So they're with that guiding energy, you don't want to put your wisdom and guidance on other people when it's not energetically accepted because that's just going to exhaust you to put put all this guidance out and not get not have it well received so you mm-hmm. want to wait to be invited by somebody to give that guidance to give your energy in, in in a space um sometimes that comes through formal invitations like getting a job offer or sometimes it might just be that Like you and I are in a relationship and we have an open invitation. So if you have some feedback for me, I'm going to take it because I've already invited you. Hmm. Well, and I feel like the easiest way for me to think about it is I'm not normally one to share my opinion or feelings on things unless I'm like directly asked. Yeah, Um, that's true. I actually pulled a book to tell you specifically about this because it sounded exactly like you. And I was like, this is how... Anna's projectorness comes across. Um, this is mm-hmm. from the Definitive Book of Human Design. Okay. And it says, recognizing the uniqueness and potential in others and guiding them by asking the right questions without a personal agenda is the projector gift. Ah, Doesn't that sound know, like bro. you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so sweet. Okay. And then your not self is bitterness. Do you ever feel bitter? Oh, absolutely. Okay. So sometimes that can happen if you have interjected your energy in somewhere you weren't invited. It makes you feel bitter because people aren't receiving you the way you want. That makes sense. And your signature is success, which different to some of the other signatures, it's less of a feeling and more of a state. So you can almost always tell when a projector is operating correctly in the world because you'll see their success. It's easier to see externally than some of the other types. Hmm. Okay. And the last energy type is reflectors. And reflectors have a totally open design. So every one of their nine centers is open. And their strategy is to wait a lunar cycle. And they are the most rare. Is that right? That's absolutely true. Basically, having all their centers open means that they're totally open to other people's energy. They don't have any energy defined in themselves, which is rare. Well, and what does that mean exactly? Like when I hear you say that, what I think is like, these people are lazy. They have no energy. <laughs> they they feel tired all the time. <laughs> yeah. But what I does can, it really mean? I can see why you would think that. Energy, the way that I'm using it, does not mean physical output or physical energy at all. It means the literal energy in your aura. Okay, so let's take one of the centers as an example. So let's take the G center. The G center is related to identity. And so if you have 
a defined G center, then you have a strong sense of who, who you are, like very defined sense of who you are. It's just a consistent thing. If you have an undefined G center, your identity is a little more fluid. You might feel like a different person from one day to the next. It's not as consistent. So okay. I think a better way to look at the defined versus undefined is like consistent versus inconsistent, whether that energy is there and it's yours all of the time or whether it's open and you kind of take in what's in your environment, which typically is, you know, other people. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So the more open centers you have, the more fluid your energy is because you're going to be picking up a lot of things in your environment, which is why reflectors are very, very mercurial. They tend to really respond to their environments differently, which is why it's very important for a reflector to be cognizant of that and make sure that they're in environments that are healthy for them. They can also tend to be people who take on a lot of things and in very unhealthy ways. So lots of conditioning, it can cause health issues. Like they just tend to absorb everything in their environment. Hmm. Okay. What is their not self? Their not self is disappointment and their signature is surprise, which I think is fun because it is fun because they have no centers defined. They basically don't have an authority so that you, they have to wait a full lunar cycle to make sure big decisions are correct for them. And because of that fluidity, they are very available for surprise, which is exactly the way where they want to be. Okay. I love that. Mm -hmm. Do you know any reflectors? Like, I don't personally know any reflectors, but fun fact, I only have one channel defined in my chart, which means that I only have two centers defined. So I'm as close to a reflector as you can get without being a reflector. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you feel like that shows up for you sometimes? I feel like I am very sensitive to things, um, to, sensitive to my environment, sensitive to conditioning, sensitive to other people's energies. And I think that's very similar to the way that reflectors operate in the world. Okay. That makes sense. So you've talked a little bit about authority or you've like referenced it a little bit. Can you say what authority is or like what that means for us in human design and then also how you listen to your authority? Yes. Okay. So authority is going to be dependent on the different centers that you have activated in your chart. I wouldn't worry too much about exactly how it's pulled, but you'll be able to see what it is. If you pull your design, it'll list it. Okay. Um, so again, strategy and authority are the two most important parts of this. If you can master those two things, then you're pretty much golden. Authority, the different authority types are emotional, sacral, splenic, ego, self-projected, and mental. And not every different type can be every single different type of authority. Um, so you'll just kind of have to go see which authority you are. You can look up, you can look up what that, those mean, but learning how to master that authority is very, very helpful. For example, I am sacral authority, which means that I have, um, very physical gut responses and learning to listen to those gut responses is incredibly helpful for me in operating in the world. Okay. Can you give us an example of a time when that was helpful to you? Actually, I'll give a really small example because I think sometimes our authorities are suppressed in us often because of the way we've been raised. Um, mm -hmm. So, Is mine an emotional authority? You are an emotional authority, yes. <laughs> we can talk about that. Speaking of suppression. <laughs> <laughs> so 
for my sacral, one of the small exercises I did at the beginning when I was learning about this to kind of rehabilitate my sacral response was to ask very small yes or no questions. Yes or no questions are very important for sacral authorities. So things like, do I want Mexican for dinner? Yes or no? It's not like- The answer is always yes. I mean, (laughs) depends on my sacral. (laughs) The trick here is not to give it an open answer because a sacral doesn't have one. It has a yes or no response. So you want to, you want to narrow your questions down to that yes or no response. But doing that for small decisions helped me be able to recognize that feeling for making big decisions. Interesting. Okay. So you are not somebody who ever feels like maybe about something. Is that true? For the most part, yes. Um, Okay. It gets interesting if you have other if you have other centers defined that have the ability to be an authority. For example, if you have a defined spleen and you are a sacral authority, which is what SEP has. So the mm-hmm. spleen specifically is related to intuition and fear, and it has very clear hits. So it's it's called a splenic hit, and that's when Seb just knows something. He just he's sure immediately. It's like a kind of like a lightning bolt to his head. Like I know yeah. that this is true. And that splenic hit is typically right, but he still has a sacral response as well. So he has both of those elements in his energy, whereas I don't have a defined spleen, so I don't have those splenic hits. There are generators who have emotional authority, but they're still generators. So they have the sacral response, but they also have an emotional wave. And in that scenario, they might know their gut response, but they still have to wait till their emotional wave is over to see how how they're going to feel at the end of it. Okay. Is the splenic center located like where your spleen is located in your body? Yes. So each of these centers actually does have a physical function as well. So they coordinate to a specific part of your body and a specific like set of physical um, systems. So, so like the root is related to your adrenals and that's again, and the root center is related to drive and pressure to do things. So it makes sense that like it would also be related to adrenal burnout. So there is a physical mm. component of this as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you have an emotional wave, which means that you have to wait until you are done having all of your feelings before you can make a decision. That is true. Yeah. That definitely shows up for me in conflict. Like I, if Taylor and I are in a tiff or whatever, I have to like process all of my emotions before I can have a conversation. Yeah, that makes sense. Another thing that you hear often from emotional authorities is they'll make a decision on the high, like to go to a dinner or to start a project. And then by the end of their emotional wave, they don't want to do it anymore. And Mm. so you really have to wait till that end of that emotional wave to make your decision. Yeah, I definitely feel that (laughs) sometimes. (laughs) Well, it's good to know that because then you know that you just need to – it's basically the idea of sleeping on it is like perfect for people with emotional authority. Mm -hmm. You always want to sleep on it. I like that. That's a good uh, to-do tip. Yeah, so there's – again, there's six different types of authorities. If you aren't familiar with yours, definitely go and take a look at some resources online or grab the video from My Human Design because – Authority is very important and can be very, very helpful in your day-to-day life. Okay. So you've we've talked about centers kind of a lot, but we haven't talked about what they actually are. So explain to us what the centers are. Yeah. Okay. So in your chart, there are nine different centers. And again, they're going to be either defined or undefined. And that means that there's coloring literally on the chart. It's colored in or it's not colored in. 
All right, so I'll go through each of them quickly, uh, and we can talk about what they do. So the root, again, is related to drive. It can create momentum and get things in motion. And the not-self there is related to always being in a hurry to be free of pressure. So people with an undefined root can suffer from the whole, like, keeping up with the Joneses thing and tend to burn out if they don't pay attention to it. Okay, got it. All right, so the solar plexus is related to emotions. This is where the emotional authority originates. Um, and the not-self there is avoiding confrontation and truth. So if you have a defined solar or any of these centers, if they're defined, that's when the not-self is relevant. Or is it always relevant, even if it's not defined? I think it can, it can always be relevant, but in most cases, it's going to be more relevant when the center is undefined. Because that's when you don't have, again, defined as consistent energy – Undefined is inconsistent energy in that center, which means if you have inconsistent energy, you're you're susceptible to to influence from other things and other people. Okay. So basically, if let's say that you have, we'll take you you as an example. You have a defined solar plexus. It means that your emotions are your own. The the feelings that you feel are your feelings. They're generated by you. Let's say that you have a child who has an undefined solar plexus. It means that they don't have consistent feelings. They're, the feelings that they feel aren't originated from them. It's not their energy. What happens is they feel your feelings and they amplify them. So it's not that they're not emotional. They actually might be more emotional. It's because they're feeling the energy of the what's in the what's around them. And in this case, it would be an emotional person, a, a defined solar plexus influencing an undefined solar plexus. Okay. And this is how conditioning happens because when a person, especially somebody like me who has a lot of open centers, when they're taking in all of this energy that's not theirs and if they're not processing it and getting rid of it, then it just stays stuck and they sit in their not self, which for the solar plexus, the not self is avoiding confrontation and truth. Okay. That is really great to know because I feel like sometimes when I'm feeling things, I I question myself. I'm like, am I feeling this for real? Or is it something else that's influencing me? Or do I only feel this way because somebody else feels this way or whatever? So that feels really nice to know that when I'm feeling a way I can trust it. Yeah, it's I feel like the solar plexus can be a little bit harder to understand because feelings are, you know, big important parts of our lives. Mm -hmm. But as to simplify it, a person with a defined solar plexus is is possible for you to just wake up sad and be sad. Whereas a person that's, you know, single sleeping alone, not, you know, with other people is probably not going to wake up sad because they don't generate their own feelings that way. Okay. Oh my gosh. I'm already learning so much. <laughs> okay. Keep, let's keep going. Okay. So the next center is the sacral center. It's the center of creativity and desire. So literal creation, like projects, babies, like all of those types of things. And then the not self for the sacral is not knowing when enough is enough. So, so wanting if you too have much. Way too many babies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the not self is not knowing when enough is enough. So the sacral kind of wants and wants and wants if it's not defined. Okay. How can that be a negative thing? Like, I would be curious to know if people that have an undefined sacral center are more susceptible to addiction issues. Absolutely, I would think so. Yeah, because especially things like 
I think this is a very literal interpretation, but things like gambling or like mm-hmm. shopping addiction, that desire, it's like amplified in people with undefined sacrals. Um, so people with defined sacrals want what they want and there's not like a lot of excess there, but I think in an unhealthy undefined sacral, there can be too much desire there. Yeah. Okay. Do I have, what's mine? You are undefined. And it's the other thing about undefined, it's not always bad. It's not always excessive. Sure. Like, for example, you could borrow my sacral energy when we're in each other's auras what, like we are right now. Yeah, you might be able to create more when we're working together than you would without me next to you. I think that absolutely makes sense and is accurate because I feel like there have been so many times when we've been prepping for episodes that we both will try to like do things on our own and we don't get anything done. And then when we meet about it for 15 minutes, it's completed. And it's yeah. <laughs> Well, the other cool thing about human design, and this is something that I personally am very interested in and think I will be diving more into in the future, is the way people come together and the way their energy interacts. Because between you and I, we have all but one center defined. So when we're in each other's energy, we actually have eight centers defined instead of me only having two without you. So Wait, I have, so you only, ha- you only have two defined? Yes, I only have two defined. And I have how many defined? Six? You have six. I have two. Okay. Um, Look at us doing quick math over here. Yeah, except for we, ha- we share one center. But this, and this is complicated. It's like, one of the centers that we both have undefined is defined when we're together because our channels meet up to define it. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. So you can complete other people's channels. Yes. Yes. And actually, it's really fascinating because a lot of people say that there's two different types of um, like romantic relationships in human design. It's like people that are very, very similar in their designs or people that kind of complete each other, like complete mm-hmm. those gates. And that t- the energetic tension can be really helpful for people. Okay. What are you and Seb? Seb and I are very similar in our designs. Okay. He has three centers defined. Okay. I'd be curious to know what Taylor and I are. I like- would really love to run his chart, to be totally honest. I would venture to guess that he completes some of your important gates. Because, like, as a triple split, oh, you're precious. looking for the, the bridge to that gap. Okay. Let's talk about the spleen. Okay. The spleen is an interesting one. You and I both have totally open spleens, which means we don't have any of the gates coming out of the spleen. But the spleen is related to awareness, intuition, and fear. So so those intuitive hits come out of the spleen, and also uh, an awareness of what to be afraid of comes out of the spleen. And then the not-self of the spleen is holding on to what isn't good for you. And the spleen one for me particularly is interesting because I remember the first time maybe or probably like the third time you explained it to me honestly about the centers and all that stuff that I realized that my undefined spleen where it is in my body is where I get that pain in my side um, when I'm really anxious about something but I'm not consciously aware of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that checks out. Um, yeah. So I find that fascinating. Yeah. A splenic hit sometimes will be like when you're walking in a dark parking lot and you're like, something is wrong. Like, like mm-hmm. I, I need to get to my car. Like that's a splenic mm-hmm. hit. Um, the splenic center is a very old center, like um, based in security and it helps us navigate to stay alive basically. So it's an important one. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're all important, but that one might be most important. 
Okay, the next one is the heart or the ego center, and that's related to willpower and motivation. So the not self for that center would be feeling unworthy and undervalued. Is there a reason why it has two different names, or is it one name and it's just together? It's no, it's two different names. It's some some places call it ego, some places call it heart. I call it heart. It's easier to associate with what it means, which is like worth and uh, motivation and willpower. Okay. All right. And the G Center, again, we talked a little bit about this, but it's based on identity, sense of self, sense of direction and love. And the not self for that is fixation on finding love and direction. Okay. So do you think that people who have an undefined G Center, it's more difficult for them to like find their partner? I wouldn't say more difficult. No, but I would, I think that they probably are. They're probably a little more preoccupied about finding a partner and finding that sense of direction in life, which I Hmm. feel like those two can really go hand in hand. Okay. All right. And then the throat center is one of the most interesting to me. It's related to communication and manifestation. And basically, this center is where all of the energy from the rest of your chart wants to come out. Like it's the the energy enters through your crown or your root and it, it mixes around in your chart and it comes out your throat. So that's when you're talking, when you're releasing things out into the world, basically all of the like culmination of all of the things that you're doing. Okay. Are these related to your like chakras at all? The chakra centers are part of human design, yeah. Okay. Because I feel like whenever you pull my cards for me, I always get the throat card. (laughs) There you go. It's very common for me to draw that one. Yeah. And uh, the not self for the throat is trying to attract attention. And I actually have, I feel like a lot of conditioning in this area because that's a fear of mine. Like I, f- I always feel like I'm talking too much or like I'm being too showboaty or something like that. It's like a anxiety that I have and I, it's directly related to my throat. Okay. Do I have an open or closed throat center? You have a defined throat. Oh yeah. That's the right word. Actually, I think it's really interesting because I think that everybody in our ladies night group except me has a defined throat. What does that mean? Okay. So a defined throat, for example, knows how to express their truth. Like it's a very consistent ability to express their truth. Whereas an undefined throat, it's harder for them to speak for themselves. They would like to pull strong statements and arguments, but it's not natural for them to do that. It's easier for them to express when they're advocating for others, but not for themselves. With these centers, I'm giving you kind of like the very, very high level pieces, but there's a lot of nuance to them too. So yeah, yeah, because I keep thinking I'm as you're talking about these, I yeah, I'm thinking about, well, I wonder how this life experience or this conditioning or these anxieties, like how those all interplay together to create a person. And yeah, uh, there's so many different aspects. And even we haven't even gotten to the gates, which are the little individual pieces that come off of a center. But those have specific energies for each gate. So depending on the gates you have, that would change things too. There's just so much nuance in human design, which is why I love it because you can really narrow down exactly like how you are and why you are the way you are. Yeah. The other thing too that I should probably mention is if somebody doesn't necessarily resonate with something I've shared, I would say that it's possible. None of this, I feel like you have to stick to the book. Like you're not wrong if you're, if, if you don't agree with me, I don't think that at all. But I would say that conditioning plays such a big part here. So like, if you're a projector, projectors typically have less physical energy than a generator. They're 
they can be told sometimes that they shouldn't work an eight hour day. I recognize I can get behind that. <laughs> I mean, it's great. Yeah. Uh, and I'm super into people using their energy the correct way, because I think that benefits everybody in our society as a whole, if we were all to operate pr- properly, but I recognize that that's not possible for everybody. So I feel like projectors can sometimes be like, I'm fine working an eight hour day. Like it's not a big deal. I'm, I'm more like a generator. And it, it might just be that, you know, you were taught to be that and like, society expected you to be like that. And like, Mm -hmm. maybe that's conditioning and not the way you actually are. So there's a layer of that as well. Like what were you taught versus what is your natural inclination? Yeah. Do you have any suggestions about how people can go about becoming deconditioned and maybe getting better in touch with like their type and maybe ultimately being happier people? Yeah, that's a great question. I feel like that's a big part of this as well. So I think first things first, I'm going to reiterate that you should take a look at your strategy and authority because I feel like following those two things will get you where you need to go anyways. But specific to deconditioning, it's kind of just like any other deconditioning from any, you know, trauma or experience that you've had in your life. You can use traditional outlets like therapy. Um, there are plenty of energetic healing modalities like Reiki, Psych K, breathwork, tapping, meditation, yoga. All of those things help you process both physically and energetically the things that have impacted you in the past. I think it's important for everybody to find deconditioning methods that work best for them. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, two more centers. Uh, second to last one is the Ajna or the mind. I call it the mind. That's related to opinions, judgment, and points of view. And the not self is pretending to be certain. So people with an open mind, open mind center tend to want to try to be certain about things when they're really not meant to. You have a defined Ajna, which means that you have your own points of view and opinions and you're meant to be certain about them. And I'm not. Which a tangible way that I can explain this one is I have an open mind center and I am really good at seeing different points of view and different people's opinions. Mm -hmm. And I'm not typically certain about anything. (laughs) (laughs) Which kind of surprises me because I feel like you always come across as confident to me in what you are saying. Here's the other thing. You have a defined mind center, which means that when I'm with you, I can be certain about what I'm saying because my my mind is defined when I'm with you. Wow. That's yeah. a really romantic statement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's that again, I think it's really fascinating the way people interact with each other because you wouldn't ever see that I'm not always certain about things because you're not with me when I'm alone. But when we're yeah. together, my mind is defined. It's consistent. It's a safe space to be certain. Mm -hmm. I love that. Okay. All right. And then what about the crown slash head? All right. So that is related to inspiration and ideas. So it's like all of those, you know, like random thoughts that you get, ideas that come in. Mm -hmm. And the not self there is thinking about things that don't matter. Okay. So like spending a lot of time thinking about non-important issues? Yeah. Or just like dwelling on too many ideas. Like Mm. if you have an open head, it's possible that you have gotten all these ideas and you think that maybe you should act on all of them, but that might not be energetically correct for you to do that. Even if it's a good idea, it might not be yours. Okay. Got it. All right. That was a lot. There's so much more. Um, One thing... Actually, a couple of things I wanted to touch on in case people want to go looking for them is Mm -hmm. profile, which is there's um, two numbers uh, that will coordinate with your chart. My numbers are six, three, yours are two, four. 
And the profile kind of gives you an archetype or like role that you play in the world. So that, that can be a really interesting thing to look into to see how you kind of operate on a like a zoomed out scale of what your life is going to kind of look like. For example, uh, the sixth line, which is the first number of mine, is the role model. So like that's the archetype that I will play out over the course of my life. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. And that might be a good place to start for people just to have like a general idea of what they are going to be doing in their life. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty top level kind of situation and it's easy to look into. So feel free to Google that one. The other thing I wanted to mention was that each of the centers has lines coming out of it. Those are called gates. And when there are two gates that are filled in to make the whole line solid, that mm-hmm. creates a channel. So two, two defined gates connected is a channel. Okay. Um, and the different channels have different energies, and that's a whole nother thing. There's an uh, there's something called incarnation crosses, which is basically like a summary of what you're here to do in your life, which is kind of fun, but also a little vague. I would not recommend starting there just because it's so vague and weird and not as actionable as some of the other pieces of the chart, even though it seems shiny and fun. Yeah. I remember when I read mine and I was like, wow, that's really interesting. And I I felt connected to it. But then I've read other people's and been like, I don't understand like what this means. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes it's one of those things that you won't really know what exactly it means until you get to the end of your life and can see that like this was a theme in my life. Okay. So what are some recommendations for people where they can go to learn more about human design outside of the humandesign.com? Okay. Uh, yeah. So Jenna Zoe is the creator of myhumandesign.com. So she has a personal account on Instagram at Jenna Zoe. She also has a human design specific account at myhumandesign on Instagram. Love both of those. There's somebody called Jess Fields who is on Instagram, and I love her interpretation of human design. She also teaches human design as well. Um, and then the two books that I would recommend are The Definitive Book of Human Design. That's like the human design textbook that everybody recommends, and I love it. It is a little thick, though. Like, it's it's textbook-type material. So if you're not okay. into that, then, like, maybe, maybe that's not for you. But uh, the book Understanding Human Design, it's not as detailed and nuanced, but it is good for beginners and like very generic information if that's something that you want. Okay. All right. And just to end on a fun note, I wanted to give a real life human design application story. So our friend Mallory is a teacher. And the other day, she chatted me and said that her kids were super chatty and energetic and like what she was like, can you please explain this to me? Like, is there something, some reason in the stars that the kids are like this today? Yeah. Because she said too, that typically when there's like downtime, when they're on zoom, it's pretty quiet. Yeah. And she said that day that they were all like talking up a storm and stuff. Mm -hmm. And in human design, there's such a thing as a daily transit. So when the, the sun moves through the different gates in human design, it defines that gate. Mm-hmm. And when I looked up the daily transit for that day, the sun was in gate 37, which is the gate of friendship. And gate 37 is the most communal gate in human design. So it was just really fascinating because I felt like that was like such a good tangible example mm-hmm. of the way human design works in the world. Yeah. Yeah, that was really funny whenever you sent all of that to us. It was like, oh my gosh, like, it's so nice when you can point to something in the world and be like, oh, this is why this, these kids are acting crazy today Mm -hmm. and are just 
loving talking to each other. Yep. So fun. All right. Well, Bracey, thanks so much for giving us all the knowledge about human design. I know there's like way, way more that we could go into and we honestly probably will do another human design episode, maybe specifically to talk about like gates and channels and I mean, I have so much to say on this. I appreciate everybody who's interested in it. And I really want to do an episode where I read Anna's chart. So maybe we'll do that. I'm here for it. And then maybe you could read Taylor's too. Yeah. Actually, I think it would be super fun if I do end up learning to read connection charts to do you and I's connection chart. I think that would Mm -hmm. be fun. Yeah, Um, I think so. But yeah, I know that this is really complicated and very nuanced. So if anybody has any questions, feel free to shoot us an email at lightheartedpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. And of course, you can follow us on Instagram at lightheartedpod. Talk to you next week. See ya.